0: Hello, and welcome to The Boss Up Podcast, episode 290. Happy holidays to each and every one of you who are listening to this in real time. I have to say I so appreciate your support in being a podcast listener and subscriber this year. If this is your third podcast you've ever listened to of mine, or if it's your 250th podcast of mine that you've listened to, I just want you to know We do this for you, and you make doing this work just such a pleasure and privilege. So thank you in advance for all the ways that you've supported Bossed Up this year through what has been the most tumultuous year of my entire career, as I can imagine many of us can probably say. I'm just feeling especially grateful as the year comes to a close for all the ways in which our community really showed up for myself and the Bossed Up team. So on behalf of myself, Stacy, our incredible podcast editor, Kirby, our sales and marketing director, and Ellie, our creative designer, I want to say thank you, happy holidays, and the whole Bossed Up team is wishing you and your loved ones a safe, healthy, and happy holiday season. So today, I really wanted to have someone on one of our final interviews, if not the final interview of the year, who could speak to... Happiness and health in the light of hardship. Because this year has been one hell of a ride. There is obviously a lot of pain and suffering in the world right now. And I'm not here just to gloss over it or bring a toxic positivity spin to it. I'm here to talk to people who really know how to harness happiness in hardship, how to find the bright spots, and why it might even be worthwhile, as opposed to just succumbing to what has been a very depressing, isolating, challenging, scary year where so many people are hurting. So today's episode, I'm featuring an interview with a healthy lifestyle writer, Karen Sullivan, who knows a thing or two about resilience. Because as a two-time breast cancer survivor, she spent nearly 20 years working in this really high-octane career in the world of sports media, largely at Disney and ESPN, and she'll admit herself that she basically fueled her way through those achievements by downing Diet Dr. Pepper six times a day. And But she had a major wake-up call when she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And that changed her focus from looking good and performing well to just being well. So she founded Pretty Wellness her lifestyle blog to chronicle her journey toward better health and happiness and share stories and lessons learned through her own hardship. She's the author of the book Happiness Through Hardship, and her podcast, Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, showcases interviews filled with love, laughter, and a few lessons along the way. Karen has shared her journey and lessons learned on The Dr. Oz Show, The Wendy Williams Show, and she's a regular contributor of WTNH-TV. And so here with me today to help us close the book on 2020 and find happiness even at the end of this very challenging, dark, and scary year, I'm delighted to be joined by Karen Sullivan. Karen, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. I am delighted to be speaking, especially with a friend of Valerie Gordon, who's a friend of the pod, who's been on the Bossed Up podcast before, and a former colleague of yours at ESPN. So tell us a little bit, Karen, about your early career, because I think a lot of our listeners here are audaciously ambitious, hard-driving women pursuing purposeful career paths who can relate to maybe the hustle that you've brought to that very first part of your career, especially.
1: Thank you. I really love, I'm really proud of the career that I built. I spent 20 years in corporate America working in sports media and entertainment. My very first job out of college was with Sesame Street Live. Remember like the Dancing Muppets? Oh my God. Yes. I was their publicist. And so I started my career there that then led me to the arena business where I worked for Target Center, the Minnesota Timberwolves and Lynx. And then I took my career out East And my last corporate job I was there for many years was was with Disney and ESPN Media Networks. And I've always been in some sort of marketing, PR,
0: or business development avenue. Nice. Awesome. And and things did change rather abruptly for you. Can you tell us about the moment in your life when really everything sort of came to a, a screeching halt?
1: Yes, I can. And what's interesting is that I think when we're younger, we never anticipate or say when you get married in sickness and in health, you don't envision that other side. Mm. And so my story, I will say three months after I was married, uh-huh. all my friends are you know, going on vacations, they're getting engaged. And we found a lump on my breast. And so I always believed in going to the doctor because, hey, the doctor always told me I was okay when something was wrong. And I found out I had breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And this totally came out of left field, no family history, Mm. but I found out I had it. I was 31. Yes. So I didn't know anybody that was young that had it. Wow. And honestly, this was 16 years ago. Mm. And so with that, We weren't all connected the way we are now. Now there's so many various support groups, but lo and behold, I have—I've always—I believe I've been a good patient. I put one foot in front of the other. I—if for those of you that know breast cancer, I had what's called a bilateral mastectomy. I did 16 weeks of chemotherapy. I definitely um, had some incredibly stressful, awful days, but yet I also found. That mm. little girl in me that always wished on pennies and always wanted to see the good in things, it sounds silly. And I never would have thought this would be the case. But with my first cancer experience, I really felt like, yes, mm. there is an opportunity to find joy during a hard journey. And my hair was mm-hmm. always my thing. Like Growing mm-hmm. up, I have mm-hmm. beautiful, thick, dark, dark brown, long hair. And I knew I was going to lose it. So my husband and I, we shaved our heads. Mm. He shaved a C because Karen, my, you know, my name's with a C on the side of my head. He shaved his own. Like we did things that <laughs> I want to say made it fun or made us, made us laugh. And that was really a strategy that I used a lot through many of the hardships to come. And then fast forward yeah. my 40th birthday. I wanted to do something big. Everybody's planning fun things. And I heard of this executive doctor's appointment where you go to this Mm -hmm. all-day appointment and you find out all this information. And I went into my 30s being sick, so I wanted to go into my 40s getting a clean bill of health. And lo and behold, they told me I had the body Mm -hmm. of a 29-year-old because my heart was so strong, but yet there was a suspicious lesion on my sternum. Mm. And so fast forward a few weeks. And I found out the cancer had returned. And what I didn't even realize when I heard that it returned was that it was stage four disease. Wow. And once I did hear that diagnosis was really when I had that huge
0: aha moment that changed my lifestyle. Wow. That's so scary. I mean, first of all, I think one cancer diagnosis per lifetime feels like way more than anyone should have to handle. And the fact that you've been able to find joy in those darkest hours to me is kind of like a a suspended belief feeling because so many of us this year especially have just come to terms with mass loss, right? mass uncertainty, mass fear, and illness that we could have otherwise blissfully lived in denial about thinking, oh, this just happens to other people. Now it feels like everyone's coming to grips with our mortality this year. How do you find joy in those moments? How do you you know, get through something as terrible as a stage four diagnosis or just get out of bed the day after you shave your, your beautiful hair, knowing that that was such a, a point of pride for you? How do you find those moments of joy? It, it seems beyond reason. So, I
1: could go a few different directions, but I think I'm going to make it brief because I want I want to empower us all to know that we all take on life differently. And first of all, it is okay mm. to not be okay with what's going on in the world, and it is okay to feel those feelings. If you are a crier, cry yeah. it out. I mean, hey, I'm a crier. I cry a lot. If you are somebody that just needs to get mad, like get mad in a productive way, don't mask those feelings and be like, you know what? I know it's bad, but I got to be happy. I got to be happy. Like we have to be true to ourselves, right? But that being said, there are a few things that I did. Like when you have stage four cancer, you have to do something. Even if you choose to do nothing, you still have these choices to make. What did I do to put one foot in front of the other? I did take a few days and I call it in in the book that I wrote called Happiness Through Hardship, I call it mourning without care. I take a few days and I just do what I need to do. If it's staying in my room and crying in bed, I do that. But after a few days, you know, I needed to stop watching TV. I needed to stop mourning for what was going on. And I needed to be able to Mm. schedule these doctor's appointments and go and do them. And so- you know, that's what I did in terms of the Mm -hmm. stage four. I also think then as I started to move forward, I truly believe in the little things in life because right now, or when you get a stage four diagnosis, I was not planning any vacations. And Hey, in COVID times, I don't think a lot of people are right now either. Right. I am, Mm -hmm. I was not able to take (laughs) on these big momentous experiences or hangouts with people because I just, I had to worry about my health. And I think a lot of people are in a similar space now, like there's such unknown. Mm. And yes, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of like glimmers of light with hope, which I, I hope there always is. Right. But I think finding little things. And honestly, I asked myself, like sometimes you get in this such a rut and you get so unhappy or depressed or whatever it might be that you really feel the darkness around you. So I would ask myself and I tell others to think about what made you Mm. laugh as a kid. What can you do that can give you momentary, like nuggets of happiness? I love Days of Our Lives. Is it a part of my life right now? Well, I don't know, but it sure was growing up and it made (laughs) me laugh. And I guarantee you, if you were a Days of Our Lives watcher and you go back now, you probably could figure out storyline because that's just soap operas, right? these are all little things. Is it going to change the outlook on COVID today or my stage four diagnosis? Well, Mm. probably not. But is it going to help you get through that day where you're feeling some stress and hardship?
0: Yes. It feels like when things feel so wildly out of control and unpredictable – The only way to keep functioning from a (laughs) semi-stable standpoint, right, is to look closer at what we can control. And I love that advice of really thinking critically about what brings you joy, not necessarily even just like lasting happiness, just temporary joy is hard to come by these days. So you've gone on since that stage four diagnosis to found Pretty Wellness to write a book, Happiness Through Hardship, to now host your podcast of the same name. What's going on? Like, how are you doing? I mean, how long ago was that stage four diagnosis and what's happening since? So the great news I can tell you is that I am
1: seven years post the stage four diagnosis living and thriving with stage four. And for those of you that know stage four, you know, this is something I'm going to deal with for life. I will be in treatment for life, but the great news is I have so much hope in the medical community and I have learned personally and professionally Mm. and for healing purposes, a better way to take care of myself, which is why I started Pretty Wellness because I wanted to be able to reach out to women and share that when we take small steps to take better care of ourselves, we will likely be healthier, thus happier. And then we can be more productive personally and professionally. So I love it. I Mm. do speaking engagements now, obviously more webinars. I have the book, which has been amazing because I've done a number of fundraisers with it where they actually get in the hands of cancer survivors and their caregivers. And then the podcast, I mean, Mm. you know, this is so much fun. It's like talking on the phone with one of your best friends. And the podcast is really about sharing all sorts of stories, not just cancer, about any type of hardship. Because, hey, like especially now we all go through it and what are various people doing to help us, like to inspire Mm. us and give us hope that we can find joy during whatever journey is going on.
0: Yeah, and I I love the – sort of feeling behind all of your messages here, which is about true wellness, right? Like, how can we take better care of ourselves? And it feels like there are some really hard ways to learn that we as a society aren't taking great care of ourselves. And especially we as women are sometimes conditioned our whole lives to put everyone else's needs before our own, to take care of everyone else as opposed to ourselves. What is surviving two cancer diagnoses taught you about what we as women need to do for ourselves to care, care for ourselves better. I will say
1: that taking care of yourself is not just one thing. It is, as Mm. we've heard the term before, 360 degrees of wellness. It's holistic wellness. But what does that mean? That means giving yourself a little time to be whatever that might be. I know that in a lot of times we are achievers. And so we're working fast. We're thinking fast. We're moving fast. And sometimes we forget to give ourselves a little bit of space to just be. Mm. And that's why Mm. I think we're seeing so much about people saying, go out in nature, leave your phone behind, go spend some time. And, And what they're talking about is really being present. When we get all stressed out about whatever it might be, A lot of times we're working on all sorts of different cylinders and feeling anxious. But when you take a moment, wherever you are, and you tell yourself, it's like if you are in yoga and they tell you to focus on the breath, but really do it. And when I used to go to yoga, when I was in my corporate career, I went for the exercise. I'm not talking about that. (laughs) I have great stories I can tell you where I'd even sneak my cell phone underneath, right? Like that's (sighs) not what I'm talking about, yoga. I'm, or anywhere I'm talking about be present right now in the moment, look Hmm. around you, you know, connect with your senses. And when you do that, or when you start counting your breaths as a lot of wellness practitioners advise us to do is you're getting out of your head and you're getting into the moment. Now, so many of us get in our head and that is, that's is—that's okay. It makes me productive at times. But having the ability to get out of it for the moment and center yourself and then go back to what you're yeah. doing, that can be really helpful.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. It seems so back to basics for so many of us, but yeah. we've lost touch with those basics. I feel like modern life just demands – really unnatural amounts of activity and stress and thought from us than, than we were designed for. I interviewed Florence Williams, a fellow author. Her book's called The Nature okay. Fix. And she really looks at the science of how powerful it is to just be, to be outside, to be with nature, which is how we've all been designed to thrive. And modern life takes us away from our breath, takes us away from checking in with ourselves. So, I completely completely agree with you and her for that matter on it. Yeah, and and I don't know, it feels it feels counterintuitive because so often on on this podcast we talk about okay, what tips and strategies can we do or can we take into account to maximize our earnings, to maximize our success to carve out the privilege of peace in our lives because it feels at a premium these days, right? Not everyone can afford the vacations that we all need. Not everyone, you know? So in an era where peace, where time is not equally right. distributed, what is? what are the small things, uh, besides checking in with our breath, which I love as a baseline, what can we do to care for ourselves that doesn't cost money, you know, that doesn't, Doesn't take much, but can really better prepare us for the resiliency we all need to just survive the modern life. Well, I I will tell you, I am a huge
1: proponent of having some basic routines. I love Mm. having a morning routine, and I start most of my days with a warm water and lemon. Mm. It is so soothing. First of all, if we're sleeping, no matter how long you're sleeping, your body is probably a little dehydrated, right? And so the warm water and lemon- It rehydrates you and it's almost like you just detoxed your system from your sleep, right? Yeah. And that helps if you're rehydrating, it's going to help promote increasing your energy. And it really, I mean, for me now, because I do it most mornings, it becomes Mm. a habit that I look forward to. It's my few moments of silence before I begin the day. It's soothing to me and it's nourishing my system, right? Yeah. I am also, if you're talking, I mean, this could be cheap or this could be expensive. I'm a huge <laughs> proponent in being a clean eater. I yeah. am the girl who drank my diet, Dr. Peppers, like seriously, sometimes six of them a day. <laughs> oh boy. I ate out of vending machines. I I think this generation has gotten better about knowing the importance of mm. eating healthy or not. Like I'm the fat free generation, right? And I Right cookies that were fat-free. I think people understand that, but what does that look like in practicality? It's not all these packaged foods, even the kind of fun ones you can get at a Whole Foods. It is about like you're going to grab for a snack. You're going to grab a banana. I don't like bananas, I'll tell you, but if I want to be filled and I know that I'm going to have a busy day, I would leave a banana on my desk. I would have some mm. nut or seed butter there because when you're nourished, it really is helpful And and I'll say maybe the flip side, when you're you're not, when you're hungry or when you're fueling yourself with like endless carbs because you like them and they're just sitting there, Mm. you end up getting a a foggy brain. You hear people talk about that.
0: Yeah. And so your thought
1: leadership, your creativity, when you are hydrated and well-nourished can really help you take better care of yourself. And that doesn't have to be going on this huge expensive juice detox or getting the most expensive items delivered to you from the juice bar every day. It's common. Totally. Thanks.
0: Totally. In fact, produce is some of the most affordable stuff in the grocery store for the most part. Yeah. So, you know, I I think terms like detoxify or detox and clean eating can be co-opted by – the sort of self-care commercial industry, especially on Instagram where like way messed up diet culture has like convinced us. I remember one influencer getting in trouble for implying that not getting your period meant that you were clean. And we're like, no, let's not tell young girls that. How do you begin really getting the real insight into nutrition? That's not somebody's diet tea, detox tea nonsense that actually keeps it real around, okay, am I fueling my body right, not am I obsessing over a number on the scale or over how I look?
1: All right. That is a loaded question.
0: But <laughs> I, I, will, I will tell you my thoughts on it.
1: I believe all of our bodies, like our bodies are a machine. And so what works well for me, I can eat bananas, which are a great powerful food, they are a bit higher in natural sugar. Some people Mm -hmm. can't. I haven't eaten a bagel in years, but but different people's bodies are are made up differently and react to different things. And so um, I think what's been the beauty of Pretty Wellness is that I believe in Western medicine, it's saving my life, but I also believe, Mm -hmm. you know, in like the Eastern practices. And so finding a fine line between combining the two. And many times right. I'd go to my brilliant oncologist and my other doctors and say, hey, I read this, you know, in this publication about whatever it might be, you know, herbs, what do you think of it? And oftentimes, and again, I'm making a generalization, when it came to wholesome foods, mm-hmm. they were like, listen, it's not going to hurt you. I don't care if you do it. When it came to some of the more herbs and the supplements, that's where it was like, You know, for me, I'm on medications that are helping slow down cancer growth. So I may or may not go a certain direction with herbs and supplements. I think that I'd like to think that all the influencers and all the messaging out there, (laughs) everybody has a good intent. However, know that if one is going to make significant changes, I really think they should talk to a doctor or a naturopath. Or get somebody on board to understand the baseline. Yeah. Because yeah. different people, you know, somebody who is has some sugar intolerances may not really know it and they may get bloated from eating various foods that are super mm-hmm.
0: healthy. I think that's such an important point. Personalization matters and expertise can help. And treating your own body like a a bit of an experiment can also help. I was a vegan for about three years there. And I loved being a vegan. I I thought it was easy. I thought it was delicious. I felt great for the most part. And I never felt like I was depriving myself. I I got very creative in the kitchen when it came to cooking amazing plant-powered food. And then three years in, I was bloated for a year. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell is happening here? And I, many doctor's appointments later, realized I had, like, bacterial overgrowth in my gut. And fortunately, it was not hard to deal with thanks to the help of modern medicine. But, like, being a vegan wasn't actually that sustainable for me. So now I reincorporated meat and still eat a lot of vegetarian meals and vegan meals on occasion. So it's just like there's no perfection here is what we're trying to say, right?
1: it is and I know you say this too, and I believe this in every way in life. Yeah. It's about progress. It's whatever yeah. the goal might be when it comes to healthy living, do something and take small steps towards it and definitely can sample doing, you know, you want to try being vegan? Great. You right. want to try doing right. keto? Great. And, but keep an eye mm-hmm. on how your body feels. Like a lot of dietitians will tell you to keep a food journal or to write down, not just write down what you're eating, but to keep an idea how you feel with
0: it. Yeah, and emotionally in addition to physically, right? Cuz there's such a strong yeah. connection there. Yeah, I think that can be dangerous for anyone with eating disorder history as well or or disordered eating in their past to like not go down that road without professional help on call. Yeah, that that's why I
1: agree that I think most people if they right. want to make a significant change should connect with somebody who this is their expertise or a a holistic health coach. Somebody to start with that when I started embracing Mm plant-based living, I went and got a certification more so because I spent four months not knowing Mm -hmm. after the diagnosis if I was going to be living long-term or if this was the end of the road for me. And so I needed something to keep me busy and I was so passionate about it. So I went and got a plant-based nutrition certification because Amazing. I wanted to know. And so I did just rely on influencers here and there to say, do this, do that. And so I think that if people want to make a change in their diet, and a lot of people do at various points throughout the year, whatever yeah. that next thing is, I, you know, it's always nice to tap into at least your primary care doctor.
0: Yeah, that's a perfect place to start. I love that point. Thank you. So one other question I want to ask you that I find anyone I've ever spoken to who has navigated a life-altering diagnosis tends to have a really good handle on, better than most of us, mortality. I was joking with my father-in-law recently who recommended a Netflix movie that had the name of a dog in it. And I was like, Bill, if this is about Mm -hmm. a dog that dies, I cannot – handle it. Like, I can't watch these things, all right? I have an 11-year-old dog who I'm fully obsessed with, and I'm like, I can't. I'm not going to watch this for entertainment if it involves the death of a dog. And he's like, Emily, I just hope you do know that we and all dogs will die someday. And I'm like, no, I'm living in denial. So how has this year, I think, called us to kind of come to reality with all of our collective... Terminal nature of life. What are some steps for coming to terms with the end of life that you would encourage all people to embrace or at least start thinking about?
1: Well, you know, I know when I got the stage four diagnosis that I obviously was shocked and stuck in my tracks, but at the same note, things become mm. very clear. And I think this year with COVID, things were really dark. Things are dark. But the hope is that so many people can find clarity Mm. in that. Meaning, what is important to you? And are you doing what's important to you? And if you're not, that might be okay. But how can you do more of that? I know in my corporate career... I was, I loved it. I had these lifestyle jobs. When you work in sports and media and entertainment, it's, you know, late nights, weekends. And so it was hard to draw that line. And I remember sitting at lunch with an old boss of mine telling her, oh, you know, I got the new baby, my family's so important to me. And then I spent 25 minutes talking about work and various subjects at work. And she looked at me and said, Karen, where Mm. are your priorities? And I think a lot of times we get lost and now it's hard because so many of us are, you know, whether you work from home or not, mm. a lot of people have been working from home and and either by themselves so much or with the same people over and over again. It's hard to really look yeah. into the future. But I encourage people to, you know, I think journaling or making lists yeah. if you're not a journaler is a great, great habit to try and get into when you're feeling stressed or any unknown, because you're just getting your thoughts and feelings Mm. out there and asking yourself some questions that you don't need to know the answer to. But if you write it down or if you go on a walk and think about it or spend some time with a glass of organic wine or green juice or kombucha or whatever it might be, and think about like, what do you want? Because then you can live an intentional life.
0: That's the word intentional because I think it's funny you're describing our Life Tracker Planner, which is a product that we have here at Bossed Up that so many of us use together in community, which is like we get out of alignment as human beings all the time. And when I mean alignment, I mean how I'm actually living my life is dissonant from how I want to be living my life. That happens all the time because life is crazy and unpredictable. And if you come back to a routine, to a ritual, to a reflection, whatever it looks like, and ask yourself on a regular basis, how wide is that gap right now between who I want to be and who I am being? That in and of itself inspires action. It's hard to identify that you're off track without doing something to get back on track, don't you think? Oh yes.
1: I, I mean, I love, I love the, I love your planner because it's so having the ability yeah. to plan and then going back and looking at it and, you know, Hey, it's okay when we get off course, as long as we try and get back to where we want to be. Or if that's not, mm-hmm. I mean, Hey, you've heard that term pivot mm-hmm. so much now. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a dancer, as a child, <laughs> like we'd pivot all the time or that friends episode where Ross is going like <laughs> pivot, pivot, you know, like, that's what that's what comes to my mind but that is something yeah. that's something you learn when you go through any type of deep hardship and hey we're all going through something now and to be able then maybe you've got to pivot and change what your focus is professionally or personally but when you have a mm. focus and you're planning it out you can live intentionally and and yeah. live towards how you want to live
0: yeah and how you want to show up in this world I feel like regardless of what brings you to that question, whether it's a diagnosis or just a gut wrenching change that either you make in your life or life makes to you, there's got to be a point in our lives where we ask ourselves, what's the point here? Like, what What am I doing this for? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And if we feel like we're getting up every day to contribute to something that doesn't align with our lifelong ambitions, or at least on the side. <laughs> you know, Maybe it's not what you're doing full time, but at least in your spare time, you're contributing to a world, yeah. to a community that you believe in. I think without that, it's really hard to keep going through hard times. So I feel like you've called me to action, and I hope you're calling everyone who's listening to <laughs> act when it comes to really asking yourself the big questions of what's the point here what am i on this planet to do and how can i make doing that an actual reality if it's not already i truly believe that i i do yeah and and it sounds like you have a lot of these great conversations about how to do just that on your podcast do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about happiness through hardship the podcast and the book thank you It is, in in most cases,
1: I'm interviewing somebody about a hardship that they have been through and then either in reflection what they would have liked to do and learn through it in an effort to inspire people Mm. just to have hope. There are definitely some episodes where we're talking about hardship help, like we did an episode on sleep or Valerie did an episode recently on those who are unemployed or Mm. uninspired, right? a lot of people right now. And so we take topics that are some sort of stress and hardship, and we have an enlightening conversation about it. And I'm really, really proud of it. I'm really excited. And I'll tell you guys, I I really am having fun with it. Yeah, that's so great to hear. And We end each episode with, and, and I'll tell you, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Sometimes you need to give yourself space. I was trying to work hard and figure out how can I end my episodes? (laughs) What segments can I do? I mean, you put this being a podcast host, right? What can I do? What can I do? And then I was in the shower just like thinking whatever I was thinking before bed. I go in and most nights I say goodnight to my son and we play what we call the grateful game. Mm. And we talk about what we're grateful for each night. And now that we've been doing it for a few years, we actually look throughout the day to find like positivity, things that we're grateful for in an effort at night to talk about it. And- bam, it hit me. I'm like, that is how I'm going to end all my episodes. I love that, Karen. So now I got to ask you, what are you feeling grateful for today? What am I feeling grateful for today? So let me tell you, it's it's always little things. Of course, I'm grateful for my health. Of course, I'm so grateful for you for bringing me on here and all the listeners that are listening to us. But You know, today I will say I am really grateful for my GT's kombucha that I'm looking at right now because I love it and I don't drink soda anymore. And so it's been my like healthy bubbly. (laughs) I love it. I love and I have one left. So I love that. I am grateful for modern technology because here I am on my computer and my microphone talking to you and then I'll go on a walk later and listen to maybe one of your <laughs> podcasts or my podcast or somebody else's. Like we're surrounded by it and mm. sometimes we forget because it can about out how wonderful it can be.
0: I love it. Karen Sullivan, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story and for sharing so much wisdom with our listeners. I so appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. To get links to all the resources that Karen and I mentioned today and to just check out our show notes for today's episode, head to bossedup.org episode 290. That's bossedup.org episode 290. And now it's time for this week's boss move of the week. This one comes in via a comment left in the Courage community on a recent Fierce Friday check-in. If you're not in the Courage community yet, make sure you find us on Facebook or just go to bossedup.org and sign up for our emails. You'll get an automatic invitation to join the Bossed Up Courage community. Ron Joy wrote the following in a recent Fierce Friday update. She wrote, quote, Finally summoned the courage and made the time to tell my boss that I'm overworked, underpaid and burnt out. The response I got? Empathy and support. Also, I'm now enjoying a well-deserved week-long holiday now. Congratulations, Ronjoy. Damn, that is so great when that happens that way. You know, you never know if asking for support, reaching out to finally level with yourself and your team that things are not going well, that you are not feeling sustainable. You never know when it actually results in the empathy and and reciprocal care that you hope for. This is like the best case scenario. So I love celebrating this and celebrating your courage as being the first necessary prerequisite to getting you the support you need. I am so proud of you, Ronjoy, and you are inspiring us all As we reflect on what a challenging year 2020 has been and begin to think about setting ourselves up for sustainable success, as I write about in the Bust Up book all the time, in the year ahead, let's summon the courage we need to create the lives and careers that are not only good for the time being, but are great for our overall well-being for years to come. Let's all summon that courage like Ronjoy did and channel that as we move forward into establishing what it is that we want to get out of the new year ahead. And now I want to hear what you think about this conversation. What did you hear from Karen's story that you want to integrate into your own life? What is one way you can start being healthier? I want to hear from you. Tag me on social media at bossedup.org or at Emily Aries and share a screenshot of the episodes that we know you listened and you loved and you would recommend the Bossed Up podcast to others because As a listener, you have so much power through rating, reviewing, and recommending the show to bring other bosses into the fold. So I really appreciate your support on that front. In the meantime, of course, let's keep bossing together. Let's keep lifting as we climb. And let's keep being bosses for one another. Thanks for listening. And thank you again. Because of you, this crazy, wild, tumultuous 2020 has been a better year for Bossed Up than I could have possibly hoped for. So I appreciate you. Thanks, boss. Take care. Happy holidays and talks.